time for Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. Brought to you by Rikus Baird. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business with Rikus Baird. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show topic is personal branding. Our guest today is Devin Hughes. Let me tell you a little bit about Devin. He's a graduate of Colgate University, where he was the shooting guard on the basketball team. In addition to that, he was uh, very involved in and has been as a sales and marketing executive, a background in uh, keynote speaking, as well as eclectic thinking. He draws on a variety of ideas, disciplines, and trends to inspire big thoughts and facilitate conversations. Best known for his expertise in personal branding, sales and marketing strategy, and leadership development. I find Devin an avid storyteller who has a unique ability to connect with audiences by inspiring them to the change they wish to see in the world. Devin is a frequent contributor to two popular blogs, the Personal Branding Blog and Upstart Nation. Devin, welcome to Branding Business. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, let me uh, begin with a, you know, just a big idea. Give us the overall concept of personal branding. Yeah, so... Um, it actually goes way, way back, uh, almost 15 years, I think, Tom Peters famously wrote about the brand called You and Fast Company. And there was a quote during that piece that resonated with me and still does today. And um, most, I assume most people know who Tom is. But the quote, um, to quote Tom, a personal brand is your promise to the marketplace and the world. And so that's, that stuck with me, and having a personal brand right now is not optional, and I say that, and it's somewhat controversial, but the concept of a personal brand, everyone has a professional reputation or a value proposition. They look no farther than one's boss, colleagues, clients, customers, partners. In essence, that's your personal brand, and in the digital age, it's more relevant now than ever. Well, certainly agree with that. Like many of our clients, uh, we feel you need to look at your brand from the inside out. So I assume that's very similar when it comes to personal branding, building uh, your personal brand from within. Yeah, it's actually it's um, actually no different. Um, whether you're a job seeker, uh, an employee, a small business owner today, having a personal brand is is essentially making sure that you're relevant, that what you do resonates uh, with the marketplace. And what I suggest to people is look at yourself as a CEO of your own startup company. Now, that company is brand you. So you need to continuously market, network, and position yourself just as a business does. And I know that's somewhat controversial now because people typically don't look like that. But that said, uh, you, you, you um, looking at your brand from the outside in, a branded website, a microsite, uh, Facebook page, all that stuff, that's great. But in essence, what you really need is you need some feedback, constant feedback. Is, to, is your brand, your personal brand, resonating with the marketplace? And as, as we both know, Ryan, the world continues to evolve and, and such that your personal brand needs to continue to evolve, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that is very, very true. Yet it needed to be founded on some very um, lasting principles. Uh, for example, we believe that with corporate branding, culture has a 
tremendous impact on the ability for that brand to be successful. In fact, another famous consultant, Peter Drucker, has uh, made this quote famous, the culture eats strategy for breakfast. What are your thoughts on establishing personal values as the foundation for defining your personal brand? You know, I agree, and I love the quote by Drucker, too. I actually have it uh, framed in my office. But, you know, what I've found here recently is more and more CEOs, CEOs are talking about the importance of culture as a strategy and, and linking it to performance and engaging and inspiring people. Now, me, me personally, I've always found that I can get more perspiration if I provide a little inspiration. So engagement and culture, from my perspective, are on on are on two different sides of the coin, but again, they're linked. And see, from my personal experience, an employee's conduct in the public eye is essentially his or her personal brand. There's a lot of potential for productive personal branding when there's a congruency between the employee's conduct and the company's culture. So I'll give you an example. I'm a big fan of Southwest Airlines. Whenever I can, I fly it and I travel a lot. And most of us know that the airline is known for their passion for customer service, with their wacky, kind of neat commercials, et cetera. But every time I get on Southwest, Southwest Airlines, I get a little bit giddy and excited like a kid because I'm looking forward to the joke or the humor or the, the interaction with one of the attendants on the airline. That's a great example in my eyes of the, the airline attendants having the ability to create spontaneously in that personal brand, but it's congruent with the, cor- the corporate culture. Well, and that culture uh, starts at the top and is passed down throughout the organization. And then, as you said, it really allows the individual to be empowered to really deliver upon that, that value proposition, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, there's, and, and then the flip side of that, if there's an incongruency between the, the values of the corporation and the first-line employees, that's problematic for a variety of reasons as well. And I think... Uh, Far too often, the, the folks in the C-suite don't necessarily they miss those subtle signs. That if I'm a if I'm a customer or and I'm interact interacting with he or she in customer service, that's my only tie to the company. That is the brand right there. So if I don't have a great experience, I, they may not they may not I may not have another opportunity to touch that customer again. Mm-hmm. So when you work with your clients are most of them individuals who are seeking to better position themselves for their next opportunity or their next promotion, or are you working with uh, teams within an organization to uh, both align their personal brand along with the the organization's brand so that that can be uh, taken to a new level? Actually, all of the above. Uh, I do have uh, individual clients, so uh, entrepreneurs. I also have folks that you know, for example, the attorney, he's the brand. So if you take Southern California and I'm an attorney, guess what? There's a lot of attorneys in Southern California, just like there's a lot of dentists. There's a lot of everything. So I, I work with those folks, but I also work with small business owners with a small sales force. I also work with bigger companies that have uh, in crowded markets where they have huge sales forces and they're trying to differentiate their brand amongst the masses. And how do they do that? And so there's that congruency between the values of the corporation and the frontline salespeople, but also their behavior, how they talk, walk. So it's all of the above. Makes sense. So when you're working with an individual or a sales team or the executives with this, within this mid-sized company, how do you go about the process of developing a, a strong value proposition 
individually. Um, once again, we realize that the organization itself should have already come forward with a strong value proposition. If not, that's where a firm like ours can help. But um, we roll it out uh, from a corporate-wide perspective, but it doesn't get down to the individual level. How do you, how do you go about defining an individual uh, value proposition? Well, a couple things. You know, one is, first and foremost, you know, we needed to establish what good looks like within that uh, organization. And culture is one of those things that we often talk about, but it's really, really hard to get our arms around. And if you get if you get ten people in a room, invariably half the people have a different idea of what their culture looks like. So, uh, first and foremost, we need to establish a beachhead for what that looks like. So this is what this is who we're going to go to market. This is what we represent. This is how we're going to resonate in the marketplace. And then from that, identify you have internal and external customers. So I'm going to talk for a second on the external side. So. If I if I'm customer facing and I'm a salesperson, what does that look like? What what is my personal brand? What do I want to represent the company? So every customer interaction that I have, my behavior again, what I talk, how I walk, everything, there has to be in, uh, a congruence between that and the values of the company. If there's not, then there's an issue. So from that, um, the entire the, the the entire point for creating a personal brand is so they can stand out, be memorable, and resonate. Now, I heard something many, many years ago, Ron, that I think still resonates today, and it's very simplistic, but it's kind of how I uh, summarize it. Awesome spreads. Whatever that awesome looks like, whether that's customer service, whether that's a conversation, whether that's follow-up, whether that's empathy, whatever that is, what I try to do is find that awesome piece that this company has, bottle that up, some, some people call it the secret sauce, and help companies take that to market. Do you have any examples of either an individual or uh, how you've helped uh, a small business define that? Yeah, actually, I mean, I do. I've I've uh, I've worked with quite a few people, I, and I'm a, a keynote speaker and a professional speaker, and I do quite a bit of work uh, with individual speakers. And I have one actually in particular that I'm working with now, who is a former teacher, uh, former college basketball coach, got a lot of real world. He's got a lot of depth to his background, and uh, looking around the, the galaxy, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of speakers. So, trying to create a you know a, a message that stands out. The first thing that I, you know, I work with him is it's got to be authentic. It's got to be different. All right, everyone says that they do this or that. Now, in his case, he comes from a place that he can talk about kids and colleges again because he was a former basketball coach. So his message is about uplifting. It's about overcoming adversity. It's about pushing through when it's just you know when it's uncomfortable. It's about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Now, in this particular uh, individual, had no concept for what social media looked like. So I'm kind of taking him for the full gamut. Now, granted, we're we're still a work in progress, but he's actively now speaking on the circuit, continuing to build his brand, feeling more comfortable with kind of who he is, and his message is continuing to evolve. Great example um, of someone who is out basically communicating to others, but yet still needed help. It's like the train the trainer, right? Or the the pro still needs uh, someone to help them. Well, you know, it's it's kind of ironic because in the, in the speaking profession, it's a very lonely profession. I mean, we are the embodiment of our brand. 
So every time that we get up in front of an audience, whether it's 12 people or 1,200, I mean, that is, that is our personal brand. Everything that we do, how we act, people are judging us, sizing us up, what the follow-up looks like. And the only time we ever get any feedback is when we're, you know, when we're in front of the audience. It's, it's kind of like a professional athlete. At least they get to practice occasionally and get feedback from the coach. The only time we get feedback is when there's paying customers. <laughs> so, you know, we're very sensitive to that. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty critical of myself and others in trying to encapsulate what that looks like. As I, I touched on earlier, that awesome spreads. And the big thing about you know, speakers and personal branding is being present in the moment, being so comfortable that you can just encapsulate that and share it with the world. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could share with the listeners a little bit about the process you go through with an individual on, on defining their, their values, their value proposition, their, their own personal brand. Well, you know, you know one thing that, that I uh, um, have kind of cut my teeth on and, and, and find you know, a great deal of value is, is kind of doing a level set. Um, I mean, gone are the days for the most part you know, when companies, organizations expect long-term employment from anyone. I mean, five to seven years, the max. I mean, just employee loyalty right now rarely exists. I mean, some people call this the new now, whatever that may be. Um, but the the process that I go from is probably no different than the, uh, than a lot of other people. Again, it's to kind of peel back the onion and figure out what are you passionate about? What can you go out and share with the world? What do you do? What's your domain expertise? we got to figure that piece out. Once we figure that out, then we, we then we add some uh, some stories to that. How are you going to go to market? This is the what now the why. I mean, the why is really really big for me. Why are you doing this? Why now? Why do you think it's relevant? Um, and then once we go through that process, then it's, it's you know it's continuing to add more uh, pieces to the puzzle. But it evolves. I mean, I've heard just recently I heard something that I thought kind of resonated with me and the. It, I forgot who said this, but the anthropology uh, of the brand. And he said, uh, essentially, the brand's relations to customers' lifestyles and preferences, that the world continues to change, so the brand has to change with it. And in, in some ways, that's very much similar to the process that I, that I do with speakers, is that the same thing that you did two years ago is probably not going to be relevant today. And so we've got to constantly work of, of refining the brand, uh, refining the message, et cetera, to the market. Same thing applies to the corporate world as well. We, uh, we establish the brand, the foundation for the brand, but it des- definitely needs to adjust as the marketplace adjusts as well. Well, let me uh, look at this topic here a little bit more on the, uh, the leadership behind the brand. We, uh, we find that an organization will not be successful bringing a value proposition forth unless it is aligned at the top, at the leadership level, CEO begins that process and, and the leadership team owns it. And uh, I would imagine that the majority of people that you coach and help define their personal brand are in some sort of uh, leadership position. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about um, the expectations of how that how you work together with them can uh, evolve them to become a better leader. No, uh, and, and, and I appreciate you saying that. There's absolutely a need, and, and I think one of the biggest challenges for anyone in a, in a leadership position is to self-diagnose, right? 
to say that, you know what, I need help or I could do more. And this concept of personal branding, for some, you could debate whether or not it's new or not, some, some obvious to some, not so obvious to others. But the personal brand isn't something that just comes together through good intention, nor is it something you can live with out in this day and age. I mean, in my opinion, the business world is attention-starved and it's unforgiving. To get anything done in this digital world, you need to connect with and influence a small village of decision-makers. Seth Godin refers to it as a tribe, right? We need to create a sense of community. The premise for that is to articulate, kind of lay it out for the leadership team to understand that. And part of the challenge that I do have, and I'll share with you, is that a lot of the leaders that I work with are really trapped in the paradigm of years past. They just, this Facebook, this Twitter, they just don't get it. They don't understand. They're still playing, using the same playbook from 10 years ago. If I'm, if I'm able to articulate and connect on a visceral level with people to get them to understand that concept, that I'm far more successful. Now, there seems to be at times an, uh, a misunderstanding between personal branding and the corporate world. But I think they're congruent, and this is why. Because if you have people where, they, as you touched on earlier, there's a very strong culture, um, the personal brand is great for employees too. Why? Because the, the, the employees have empathy for the struggles and views of both customers and coworkers. They're generous with their time and attention. They don't keep score. They're curious about the processes and the relationships. You know, I've, you know, if you read Zappos or Southwest Airlines, there's so many examples. But the one that I like to uh, describe to people is create a culture that is so sticky that you can taste it, that people get excited to come to work. If you can do that, the brand will resonate because people will be excited to go out into the marketplace. That's pretty powerful. So you, uh, you spoke earlier about the idea of... Um storytelling and then a moment ago you also brought up social media and uh, certainly there's an opportunity to build your personal brand through storytelling on so so social media maybe you could just chat a little bit about that topic I mentioned earlier and not to, to retread I um, think that that awesome spreads and I agree with that so I'll give you an example and this just happened to me recently I attended a, a networking event you know, I've had mixed success over the years. We've all attended them. So I went to this networking event after work. You know, the kind you kind of stand around and have, wear a name tag and everyone <laughs> introduces themselves. And for whatever reason at this one, I um, walked in, didn't know a soul, but felt like more like a research project for me. Um, and so as I was there, I noticed that the first words out of the majority of the people that I spoke with were, hi, I'm a dentist. I'm an attorney. I'm a physician. I'm a CEO. As if that was supposed to resonate with me. Like, that's great that you went to law school and I'm excited that you passed the bar. But so what? And I think so many of the people that I came in contact and so many people that I found in general, again, fall back on what they do. But, you know, or as opposed to why they do it or what's different. So tell me something unique about yourself. Where have you lived? How many kids do you have? Do you have any hobbies? For so many of us, we forgot that at the end of the day, it all comes down to relationships. I know a lot of attorneys, okay, but why would I engage with you? And that was a recent example, again, small, but it really struck me that the folks that I talked to we're so enamored with, again, their titles and their professions, but that was kind of where the line was drawn. didn't really peel back the onion any farther than that. 
Well, people obviously relate to storytelling, and you know that's one way to dig deeper and, as you say, pull, peel back the onion a bit more. So when you coach executives or individuals, do you help them define their, you know, their own elevator speech or whatever you would possibly call it, the most concise way to uh, elicit a response? I do, and I don't think I answered your question no, specifically. So we all have stories, right? And so you, you, you say it, you know, story time, and people think kids and whatever, but stories are our native language. I mean, that's how I learned. I, you know, I spent quite a bit of my childhood in the South. My grandmother lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, and for whatever reason, I grew up in Washington, D.C., so huge dichotomy between the two, but would literally sit on the porch of my grandmother, and she would just tell stories. I mean, she was a great storyteller about what it was like. And one of the things I always remember is that she had an outhouse on her property, which to me, in the, in the 70s, an outhouse, I just I couldn't comprehend. And she would just tell these stories of the South. and I learned so much, and in some ways there was so much wisdom in that. So when, when I work with executives and other leaders of organizations, I try to articulate as best I can the true power of stories. Not so much for their own benefit, for the for the for the benefit of their employees and and the market. The challenge is, is that so many leaders and executives don't think they have the stories, and so what I have to do is share them that all those personal experiences, all those anecdotes, all those things that made them go, hmm, aha, those are potential stories. They don't have to be long. They just need to be bite sized. gives gives people an opportunity to get a personal connection with you. And there's a lot of learning, and those anecdotes are really good tools. I I refer to them often as tribal knowledge. So within within an organization, those stories and anecdotes, if you can bottle those up, encapsulate those, and share those amongst the teams in a virtual world, they're really, really, really powerful. It's just getting people in the habit of doing it frequently. And it's it's a challenge. So when you're working with sales teams, is that one of the techniques you use is to uh, get people to open up and dig deeper, uh, start telling stories about themselves and, and find what resonates and what doesn't? Absolutely. And, and you know, I come from a sales background, and, and the facto way is to, is to push product, 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 right? I mean, and one of the ways that I try to help organizations differentiate their sales teams is to get away from the same playbook because invariably... Most of the folks have been all this, the, the variety of sales training, whether it's Stan, Sandler, you name it, they've all been through it, read all the books. But, but their behaviors are very, very similar. So and, uh, more question, more questioning and more stories. Now, you, you may say, well, what stories would be relevant? Stories about where you've actually solved the customer problem, helped the customer overcome a challenge, helped the customer drive revenue, efficiency, whatever, but relate it to the customer's business. If it's in the same vertical, it's more powerful. And if you can bottle up those stories, whether in Omaha or Manhattan, and you can spread those around, they're really, really powerful for the salespeople and really, really powerful for the customer because it establishes credibility, makes the experience authentic. Well, it makes sense, as well as uh, you get the benefit of other people remembering those stories because I would imagine as uh, it relates to businesses who often find the greatest benefit is being referred in as opposed to a cold call. Same thing applies to an individual. So having uh, your storytelling down to the point where other people remember what makes you unique and different, once again, as you said, it has to be relevant, is a great opportunity to be referred. So what you're ultimately trying to do, it seems like, is to build some 
some equity in that personal brand, right? So known for something that's unique, uh, different, and, and relevant. So the same thing we do in corporate branding, but maybe you can just share with us your viewpoint on the similarities or the differences in uh, the concept of building long-term equity in, in, a, in a brand. Well, see, every interaction contributes to the personal brand that you have or you've created. You either enhance it or detract from it, in my opinion. Some interactions don't contribute positively or negatively necessarily, but rather just provide more information for what the brand stands for. You could arguably debate whether or not that detracts or not. Are you fun? Are you intelligent? Are you witty? Are you cool? Are you the cool brand? Are you sophisticated? Are you down to earth? Are you approachable? You see, personal branding is about intentionally influencing how the world sees you. Again, I use the word intentionally. It's about purposely packaging the brand called you. Now, the, the benefits, although obvious maybe to me, maybe not so much to others, I mean, it resonates both inside the, you know, the company and outside, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's on a job interview, whether it's we talked about Southwest Airlines, you know, whether it's you know, creating an authentic experience. But all that matters. I'll give you an example. I was on a flight recently on the way back from Kansas City, and I sat next to someone, and, you know, maybe not like you, I typically <laughs> tend to just kind of keep my head down, open up the Kindle, kind of get through the experience. Well, on this particular flight, I had someone next to me who was really, really chatty, and I felt bad because she wanted to engage. So finally I ceased and desisted and engaged, and for the next 45 minutes, um, this lady, for some odd reason, all she did was talk about herself. She told me her whole career from when she got out of college up until now, and then she even told me what she had aspirations to do more. Now, if we were playing a game of tennis, it wouldn't have been much fun because she was the only one who got to serve. So as you can imagine, from a brand equity standpoint, I wasn't real impressed, and I'm not sure that I would have sent her a LinkedIn invite after because she never asked about me. It was all about her. And that's a small, myopic example, but for some reason, you know, that, that, that jumped out at me as I was sitting there with her. Now, as I mentioned earlier, to build a personal brand, it's got to be memorable, but memorable in a positive way, impressive, in a way that I want to re-engage, that I want to connect again. As you might imagine, I'm probably not going to connect with her again. <laughs> well, a good example. Uh, once again, Relevancy comes into play and asking questions and this counterbalance is uh, critical in any type of uh, relationship building. I think that's what you mentioned is how important uh, relationships are in defining and building. And then, as you said, building equity in your own personal brand. Well, hey, Devin, we're, we're about out of time here, so I, I'd just like to recap a, a few of the, the takeaways that I picked up off this discussion. Uh, certainly, your... Uh, your viewpoint and your definition of a uh, personal brand is your individual promise to the marketplace and the world. I uh, love the idea of uh, putting people in the mindset of becoming the CEO of their own individual startup. Also, very similar to the way we go about corporate branding is, is the personal brand needs to stand out, be memorable, be relevant, and it has to be based on authenticity. Uh, it has to feel natural and has to come from within, has to be built, built from within as well. And I also really uh, relate to your starting point when you are coaching someone as it relates to starting with your passion. 
because that's where the your that's where you'll be most happy and that's where you'll be uh, most successful and I think it always I think just uh, success emanates from from that philosophy so uh, it all makes sense to me uh, Devin anything else to add upon that you know I I, I think uh, no I think you summed it up quite well and um, again having a personal brand is not optional whether you acknowledge it or not you have one now it's incumbent upon you to figure out and craft and create what that brand is going to be to the marketplace. It's a little bit of heavy lifting, but it's doable. And in the digital world, it's an absolute necessity, in my opinion. Devin, I think that's an excellent point. Well, hey, thank you for being a guest on Brandy Business. If our listeners have any questions for you, how could they best reach you? Um, they could uh, They could also call me, email me. I'm uh, quite accessible, a variety of different ways at the uh, email would probably be easiest. Uh, it's Devin, D-E-V-I-N, at DevinCHughes.com, and that's D-E-V-I-N, Hughes. My phone, um, you can call the office at 888-964-1113. Great. Devin, thanks again. Well, you've been listening to another edition of Brandy Business with Rikus Baird. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, please visit BrandingBusiness.com. You've been listening to Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. To hear more, simply visit our website, brandingbusiness.com, or tune in next week to learn how you, too, can build your brand and move your business forward. Brought to you by Rikus Baird.